Welcome to the History Slam podcast from ActiveHistory.ca. Here's your host, Sean Graham. Thank you, Adam. Welcome to the History Slam, everybody. I am Sean Graham coming at you today, nearly live from Ottawa, Ontario. Special episode for you today, something a little different. We are going to revisit the How We Helped series that I was part of producing earlier this year. We're going to go back and listen to one of the episodes from that. Actually, episode number three, entitled Strength in Numbers, Building a Social Work Community. Now, this episode is part of the larger How We Helped series, which was a commemorative project that looked back at the history of the Eastern Branch of the Ontario Association of Social Workers a lot on the activities of the organization within Eastern Ontario, but it does talk about broader issues associated with social work, how social workers bring each other together, work with their clients, work within their communities. So it's not just an Ontario story. There's a lot of universal truths to working in the field that come up in this episode, one of my favorites of the five that we put together as part of the How We Helped series. We shared a couple episodes already on the feed, so thought as we got to the end here of 2021 with everything going on in the news, a nice reminder of the dedication of social workers, the amount of work that they put in, and the absolute commitment they have within their communities none of which has been shaken by what's going on in the world. So let's get right into it. Here it is, episode three of How We Helped, Strength in Numbers. Welcome to How We Helped, stories from Eastern Ontario social workers. In this episode, we talk about the Eastern Branch's role in creating a community of social work in the region and the support provided to members. In 1936, less than a year after the Eastern Branch was established, a group of Ottawa social workers got together to talk about an article published in The Social Worker the official journal of the Canadian Association of Social Workers. The article in question was titled, What is Social Work? It discussed the motivation behind entering social work, setting aside personal bias, and ensuring that you always believe and work on behalf of your client. As we've seen, these are pretty universal principles in social work. What really stands out when going through the article, though, is that it presents social work not as a collective effort, but rather as a group of people working individually in the field. A good example of this was found in the discussion of what makes a good social worker. This included using one's personal experience into a fuller appreciation of life's possibilities. Thus, even a young worker may develop such an appreciation to a greater extent than an ordinary mature citizen who allows appreciation of experiences to run along preconceived lines of thought. Such training makes the daily experiences of a social worker a source for the enrichment of life. The social worker will become aware of the need for such understanding of life as even vicarious experiences can give. While it may take a thief to catch a thief, it is not necessarily only a thief who can help him out of his difficulties. At the end of the night, 
The group submitted their definition of a social worker based on the discussion. It read, A social worker is one who, having acquired certain professional technique, is qualified to treat and, if possible, prevent social maladjustments in the area of human and environmental relationships. Perhaps there is some irony in this meeting. A group of social workers, all of whom were members of the local association representing the profession, putting forth a very individualistic definition of that same profession. In the last episode, we learned how social work can be an isolating line of work. To overcome that isolation, social workers need adequate resources and support. And for the past 85 years, the Eastern Branch has sought to provide that to its members. The numbers have varied over the years, but the branch has maintained a membership anywhere from 100 to 3 or 400 at any given time. Every year at the annual meeting, the chair of the membership committee would submit their report on the previous year's efforts to attract new members. In many years, this included visiting students and mentoring new social workers. Take 1971 as an example. That year, the Eastern Branch put together a list of all the social workers across Eastern Ontario and reached out to them individually in the hopes they would join. The branch also pushed to increase support to students, including through additional training opportunities. This was quite a success, as 80% of the 1970 first-year class at Carleton's School of Social Work joined the branch. The group also sent letters to local high school guidance counselors and principals. Branch members participated in career day programs at schools throughout Eastern Ontario, a project which brought 15 new members. This commitment to engaging with students remained a central part of the Eastern Branch recruitment efforts into the 21st century. President Wendy Burkhan. The students, I think, are the key. Become social workers if it fits what they want to do and then work within their community to help everybody. You know, it's a benefit for everyone. And I think the association would be very positive in supporting that kind of program. Attracting members was great, but retention was a problem. A year after these recruitment efforts, Eastern Branch President Pauline Van Lammers reported that, A great many social workers are involved in many areas of community activities, social action, committees of various kinds, all making important contributions to the quality of life today. While official representatives of their association, they are involved in many things as part of their personal and thus professional commitment. This perhaps explains why it is difficult to involve people over any extended period of time, a fact of life which all professional associations are having to deal with these days. To keep members, the Eastern Branch, in partnership with the Ontario Association of Professional Social Workers, later the Ontario Association of Social Workers, provided benefits to members, many of which may not have been available through their employers. These included social and professional advocacy, professional development opportunities, and responses to changes in government policy. Closer to home, the Eastern Branch also helped members with access to insurance plans, including professional liability, home and auto, life, accident, health, and dental programs. There were discounts for car rentals, financial services, and local legal aid. The branch also provided a salary grid to its members. With members scattered across Eastern Ontario working in hospitals, at all three levels of government, in seniors' residences, or with private outreach organizations, providing a salary grid allowed members to assess the employment market and advocate on their own behalf. Social work can be an overlooked and underappreciated profession. 
the passion and dedication of social workers is often used to justify low pay. The pay grid sought to put more power on the side of social workers in salary negotiations and was one of the many ways in which the Eastern Branch sought to empower its members. That strength in numbers was evident in 1987, when Eastern Branch members working at the Children's Aid Society went on strike. Ruth Brown was towards the end of her career and a manager at the Children's Aid Society at the time. I think it's hard for social workers to go on strike. When the Children's Aid went on strike, just at the end of my career, I you know, was a supervisor of a program. I think they all accepted that they really needed to make a point almost certainly about money. That must have been the issue. You know, I have memories of driving into the office and waving at my unit as they stood outside, all of us, you know, waving and, and grinning at each other, but clearly on, on two different sides. But in our case, certainly, I don't think there was any uh, hostility one of the ways in which the Eastern Branch offered support during the strike came through the Labor Relations Committee. Established earlier in the year, the committee provided information and assistance to members on labor relations and employment practices. The strike, which was ultimately deemed a success, highlighted the important role the Eastern Branch played in employment across the region, both for members and clients. Eastern Ontario in general, and the National Capital Region in particular, present some unique challenges for social workers. Before 2001, there were 11 municipalities making up what is now the region of Ottawa-Carleton. You had Ottawa, Nepean, Kanata, Gloucester, Vanier, and Cumberland, plus the townships of West Carleton, Goulburn, Rideau, and Osgood. Not to mention the village of Rockcliffe Park. Plus, the Eastern Branch extended to Lanark, Leeds-Granville, Renfrew, Prescott-Russell, and Stormont-Dundas-Glengarry. That's a lot of local bureaucracies to contend with. To overcome the distance, the Eastern Branch sought active engagement for members across the region. In the 1980s, the Cornwall chapter reported that it was actively encouraging local initiatives to sustain the vitality of the association. The branch also created the Outlying Areas Committee, later renamed the Counties Committee, to coordinate the activities of social workers living outside the immediate Ottawa area. If the massive area the Eastern Branch covered wasn't enough, it also had to overcome a series of bureaucratic hurdles. A lot of social workers deal with issues that fall under provincial jurisdiction in Canada. Things like health care, child welfare, and education. But given the Eastern Branch's proximity to the federal government, the Canadian Association of Social Workers often looked to Ottawa's social workers to lead national campaigns. As a result, Eastern Ontario social workers were active in the Eastern Branch, at the provincial level, and with the national organization. According to Lynn Sherwood, that was just part of practicing in Ottawa. I, I don't find it a disadvantage to have the federal government here because you can play the angles and like we, we got a senator at City Hall, right? <laughs> okay, talking about basic income. Okay, so that's good. 
And you can, you can, if you can work the angles that way. A good example of how involved the Eastern Branch was with outside organizations came in 1985 when it organized and hosted the Ontario Association of Social Workers Annual Conference. Held that spring, the conference included workshops, presentations, and a moonlit cruise on the Ottawa River. A year earlier, the branch hosted Sukoyo Carlton Carew a social worker from Sierra Leone for a month-long work placement in Pembroke and Ottawa. Through these types of events and activities, the Eastern Branch extended its community beyond its local boundaries, building connections across the province, throughout the country, and around the world. With the majority of its members based in Ottawa, the Eastern Branch had to learn to navigate the bureaucracy of the federal government, which has long been a major employer of social workers. This created what was arguably the most complicated employment situation for social workers anywhere in the country, and the Eastern Branch was there every step of the way. This started early in the branch's history. In the summer of 1952, the Eastern Branch commissioned a survey of members who had resigned from the federal government. Over the previous three years, 71 social workers had left their jobs. The top reason for resigning was to go back to school with the goal of being prepared for a supervisory position. Other people cited a lack of professional growth, too much red tape, and routine work that did not require the skills of a professional social worker. Still others said that they had found new opportunities that were more exciting and offered better pay. Three years later, in 1955, the Eastern Branch commissioned another study, this time on the relationships between public welfare and family agency services. Among some of the local problems identified, it found that the City of Ottawa had not accessed all the provincial funding available for old age security, and that the cost of assisting people seeking access to unemployment relief was typically borne by private agencies who were not compensated. Arguably the most shocking revelation was that there was great uncertainty over jurisdiction on unemployment benefits for immigrants to Canada. Was it a federal responsibility since immigration falls to the national government? Was it provincial since unemployment relief was governed by a provincial act? Was it local because of the residency requirements? The report concluded that clarifications were desperately needed and suggested that the Eastern Branch produce materials that could bridge the divides between social workers. In doing so, the Eastern Branch could both unite the community of social workers and put members in a better position to help their clients. This recommendation was taken up and remained a priority, as the branch produced an incredible amount of material for members. There were pamphlets and information sheets about local policies, key contacts in the field, and opportunities for professional development. This included guides to navigating the job market, with one of the key suggestions being to engage with the social work community. Increasing networks, learning more about local organizations, and socializing with other social workers were all key recommendations for a successful job hunt. In a companion guide about generating your own employment, the Eastern Branch offered arguably its most important advice. Avoid isolation and burnout. Recognizing the dangers of overworking, especially when working alone, the guidance was direct. The very nature of self-employment possesses a risk of isolation and burnout. 
Isolation often stems from the rather solitary nature of working in a solo or small group practice where there are limited opportunities for contact with colleagues. The absence of a structure to ensure contact with peers therefore requires that practitioners consciously create opportunities to be with colleagues. One of the specific recommendations was to schedule regular times to network with colleagues around shared interests and projects. Socializing isn't usually listed in the benefits of membership, but the Eastern Branch has always sought to bring people together. After all, the first event in 1935 was a social gathering. Over the years, there have been supper clubs, group discussions, and guest speakers that have brought members together. One of the strongest groups that came from the branch is SWAG, which stands for Social Work in Aging and Gerontology. Open to all social workers interested in working with seniors and their caregivers, the monthly meetings provided opportunities to network and participate in a one-hour presentation on a topic of interest to those in the field. Designed as a safe place to talk about issues affecting clients, participation in the group also counted towards continuing education. For members like Beverly McIntosh, SWAG was incredibly important. It's a tremendous model for how social workers can help themselves to help their clients. So that is a network whose focus is on social for social workers who provide services for the aging and for their caregivers. So it was social work and aging and gerontology. Started in 1997, approximately, just feeling that Again, all graduating from the same school of social work, but some of us going to work for the Alzheimer's Society, some working in home care, some working in hospitals, some working in nursing homes, and nobody feeling that we really had a good grip on what the issues were as we're trying to provide services for that population. So we started the group, and again, in those days, it was fax machines and telephones and saying, let's have a meeting, let's find out what's going on, and then said, let's use our Provincial Social Work Association to be the umbrella, to be the letterhead, to be the banner under which we advocate for change, so that we're not just one group saying we want improvements in home care without or we want improvements in nursing homes or whatever without saying this is a whole systems approach so swag is a group of social workers who look at the whole system and keep in touch with with each other so we can keep in touch with each other on an individual level gee i've got a problem with this patient uh we need to get them assessed we can't get them into um a special geriatric program, how can I get them in? I'll phone the social worker, social worker can advocate and see how we can make a special case to get that family higher up on the priority list. So on a one-on-one level, it's effective. In addition to the groups and committees, it was the events where all members could gather that really highlighted the community the Eastern Branch was able to build. Frequently, the annual general meeting was immediately followed by a gala, This was an opportunity for the Eastern Branch to unwind, relax, and reflect on the past year. In 2004, there was an auction and drummers. A couple years later, there was a choir. And in 2007, an acoustic guitar duo. 
The gala also included the presentation of scholarships to students at the Schools of Social Work at Carleton and the University of Ottawa. And in some years, the presentation of the Bessie Tuzel Award and Joan Gullen Award. According to former President Graham Roderick, these awards were important in building communities of social work. In terms of the establishment of awards, both in terms of the Tuzel Award and really the educational either bursaries or scholarships, I was very much involved in that. And when you think today that if you go across the provinces, you go even nationally, Eastern Branch is almost quite exceptional, both in terms of the media awards, because I was involved in that as well, and in the recognition of individuals with respect to education. Some of these things have been kind of um, picked up on, but on the area of education, We probably are one of the leading, not only branches, but associations. Another opportunity to celebrate came during Social Work Week, held annually in March. Over the course of the week, the Eastern Branch would host a series of events, from meet and greets with students, to public lectures, to protests and marches. Using each year's theme, Eastern Branch members would gather together, recognize their efforts, and reaffirm their collective commitment to help. Of course, With members spread all across eastern Ontario, getting together in person wasn't always possible. To maintain the community, the Eastern Branch sent around the Bulletin. Published four times a year, the Bulletin was a follow-up to the newsletter, which had long been sent to social workers. Written by the Communications Committee, the newsletter had a message from the President, some committee updates, and information on professional development opportunities. It didn't always have a set publishing schedule, though, as there were several newsletters that started with an apology for the time between editions. The newsletter's format also changed based on who was in charge of the committee, so there wasn't a lot of continuity through the years. That changed with the bulletin, which had a more consistent format, a table of contents that made it easier to read, and regular features like scholarship listings, editorials, timely articles, and a list of upcoming events. As Beverly McIntosh notes, the bulletin helped keep the social work community together. It's peculiar to our branches. We have an excellent branch bulletin, again, that's been going on for decades, where social workers contributed articles about local issues, about their own practice, their own observations, their own concerns and call to change that the Eastern Branch bulletin over the years has when it used to come out in paper and we'd all get it in the mail and eventually now it's electronic but something that was personal to us I know these people I know these people who are writing and the bulletin committee worked very hard to be inclusive to get the francophone and the anglophone professions together talking through that bulletin now more some of the other indigenous groups, other immigrant groups to say social workers who are working different areas to bring them in and use that bulletin as a platform to keep the conversation open, keep us in touch, to be aware of each other, all working down in our own area, but knowing that we can look up and know there's a whole bunch of other social workers all prepare to step up to the plate and help when the call goes out. In one particularly entertaining edition from the spring of 2002, the bulletin included the announcement that Richard Splain had won the Bessie Tuzel Award, 
an article by former Mayor Marion Dewar on community policing, an update from Professor Ben Ambenia on refugee policy following the September 11 terrorist attacks in the United States, and plans for that year's Social Work Week. As an added bonus, the issue featured an anonymous submission. The ABCs of Social Work A. Attention to your concerns and questions. B. Bilingual Branch Services, Bulletin, Programs. C. CASW Benefits and Services. D. Discounts on Workshops, Books, Liability, Home and Auto Insurance, Rentals, and Financial Services. E. Educational Initiatives for Members. F. Friendship and Support from Colleagues. G. Gifting Opportunities for Bursaries at Carleton and Ottawa Universities. H. High Ethical Standards. I. Information Technology Facilities Responsiveness to Your Needs. J. Journals, Branch, OASW, and CASW. K. Keeping Informed of Developments in the Profession. L. Lobbying Government on Behalf of Social Worker and Client Concerns. M. Malpractice Insurance. N. Networking. O. Opportunities for Employment Information. P. Private Practice Startup Kit and Directory. Q. Quality Guidelines for Practice. R. Recognition Program of Members, Students, and Media. S. Social Action Opportunities. T. Terrific Opportunities for Continuing Education Programs. U. United Voice for the Profession. V. Volunteering. W. Worldwide Social Welfare Cooperation and Communication. X. Expertise in meeting the needs of members. U. Your personal advancement. And lastly, Z. Zealous attention to social work causes. As that one issue shows, the bulletin was full of useful information but was also entertaining. Since the format allowed for such diverse content, it was a lot more substantive than the old newsletters had been, and, therefore, more relevant to members. So even when members couldn't be together physically, the bulletin was there to keep the Eastern Branch community connected. In a line of work that can be isolating, the Eastern Branch has spent 85 years bringing people together. Membership had its individual benefits, to be sure. But as Joyce Turnbull explains, joining the association had a greater meaning. Some people will be active and, you know, maybe head of committee, this kind of thing. But even if you are just a paying member, you, you indicate as a, as a profession that you care about the whole and that the association gives you a piece to fulfill that bill. As we've seen, social work is about people and human connections. And when working in such a personal profession, building a supportive community is essential. Ruth Brown and Barbara Merriam. It, it really was a community. I mean, I've ne- I real- most of my the friends that I've lasted all my life are, are the people I worked with. People like Joyce Turnbull, who is a very old friend, 
Joyce Ireland, who uh, I think was on one of the early executives of the uh, OISW. With support of peers and managers over the years, learning from clients and colleagues through the Association Eastern Branch, I think I've been associated with either on the program committee or on the board for more than 15 years, probably closer to 18 years. And it's people like Marg Nelson and Glenn Drover that are amazing individuals. And you just sort of, they're, they're like people you can um, admire and they're inspirations. The Eastern Branch has come a long way since it's what is a social worker discussion back in 1936. Even though the events are different, their purpose and goal has remained the same. To bring social workers together, to create a community, to build on each other's dedication and passion. To do this, the branch hosted in-person events, provided valuable information, and published regular updates for members. In doing so, it managed to bring together a diverse group of people working across Eastern Ontario in a variety of fields. That was a great achievement. Just take it from Mary Sinclair. There's a real strength in teamwork and partnership. I think more and more we need to be working with other people in the community, other agencies, and we accomplish a great deal more if we really look at our community resources and work together. How We Helped is produced by Sean Graham and the Wiscana Group in cooperation with the Eastern Branch of the Ontario Association of Social Workers. Special thanks to Wendy Burkon, Beverly McIntosh, Ann Seymour, Ruth Brown, Lynn Sherwood, and the pioneers of the Ontario Association of Social Workers Eastern Branch. Voiceovers by Jill Amantea and Andrew Austin Baker. Music from bensound.com. Thanks for listening. So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Strength in numbers. Building a social work community as part of the How We Helped series. If you want to go back and listen to all five episodes, you can head on over to howwehelped.wordpress.com. All the episodes are there. You can also search How We Helped within whatever podcast app you're using. It should show up if you have to use the subtitle to find it, uh, which in a couple apps that has been the case, I've been told the subtitle is Stories from Eastern Ontario 
social workers. So do check it out. Five episodes. I'm pleased with how they came out. I really enjoyed doing it. Working with all the alumni of the Eastern Ontario social workers. It was a great project to be part of. So if you have the chance to listen to it, if you're interested, please do check them out. So that is it for this week. Thank you everybody so much for listening. A little exclusive episode here this one's not going up on active history just for the folks on the feed this week and i certainly appreciate you listening through the feed subscribing wherever it is you get your podcast if you have not yet please do subscribe and do the likes ratings comments all that fun stuff it helps other people find the show keeps us growing and of course do head on over to activehistory.ca some great stuff we're going later into the year than we ever do uh, things posted today on december the 23rd that never happens and of course if you missed it do head back from december the 17th the man the myth the legend aaron boys and myself went through and did our ninth annual year in review 100 years later we look back at 1921 a really fun year some some great diverse things happened in 1921 there wasn't an obvious winner for the most important event of the year although the winner may not surprise you if you check that out. We have a lot of fun doing that one every year. Of course, if you disagree with what we picked or you want to just get in touch, please do at historyslam at gmail.com or you can find me on Twitter at the Sean Graham. So thanks again for listening, everybody. We'll be back with one more episode in 2021. But until then, if you're out and you see Enrico Palazzo, please say hi for me. Thanks for listening to the History Slam podcast. Be sure to check out Active History for more features, articles, and be sure to subscribe on iTunes.